video game industry is booming these days. Some games are rivaling Hollywood movies in terms of sales, and the technology is beyond what anyone would have imagined 20 years ago. But back in 1983, an event happened that would change the video game industry forever. Poorly made games, a ton of systems to choose from, superior technology, media frenzy. What happened to the industry back in 1983? It crashed. This is the North American video game crash of 1983 on The Gaming Historian. Welcome to another episode of The Gaming Historian. This week's topic is one of the most requested topics I get in my inbox. It's the North American video game crash of 1983. Now I'm not going to bore you guys with stock market figures or sales statistics or anything like that, but hopefully by the end of this episode you'll know what caused the video game crash of 1983. Let's start off with the first reason. Poorly made video games. Pac-Man is one of the most successful arcade games of all time. And according to a recent survey, the most recognized video game character of all time. After its release in the United States in 1980, Atari obtained the license to port the game to its Atari 2600 home console. Around this time, there were about 10 million Ataris in U.S. households. With this data, Atari decided to manufacture 12 million copies of the game. Wait, 12 million? Atari was so confident with their game, they made more games than there were consoles, hoping consumers would buy an Atari just to play Pac-Man. Todd Fry, a leading programmer at Atari, was asked to do the port. Fry eventually showed them a prototype of the game. Rather than miss the approaching 1981 holiday season, Atari published the prototype. So what did it look like? Watch. Yes, this is Pac-Man on the Atari 2600. It was a disaster. The game barely resembled the original, and consumers were upset. Many asked for refunds. Overall, about 7 million Pac-Man cartridges were sold. Todd Fry was given a royalty on every copy manufactured, so it didn't matter if the game was bad or not. He made a huge sum of money. But Atari had to accept the losses with the extra 5 million unsold. Another disaster was E.T. E.T. was released on June 11, 1982 in movie theaters. It was a huge success, and soon it was licensed to become a video game. Stephen Ross, head of Warner Communications, which owned Atari, told Ray Kassar, CEO of Atari, that he wanted the game out by Christmas. To quote Kassar, We had literally six weeks to produce a brand new game, manufacture it, package it, and market it. It was a disaster. I mean, the programmers hated it. Nobody liked the game. The game was a disaster, and to this day it is still considered one of the worst video games of all time. About 5 million cartridges were produced, and almost all of them came back to Atari. 
With millions of unsold cartridges sitting in an Atari warehouse, Atari dumped them in a New Mexico landfill, steamrolled them, then poured cement over top of them. Atari had lost $536 million by the end of 1983. These two games really made consumers lose confidence in video games. But these weren't the only bad games. There were tons of them. In fact, if you sent in proofs of purchase of Purina dog food, you got a copy of Chase the Chuck Wagon. That's right, a dog food company had video games. There were so many games coming out, stores couldn't keep up, let alone have shelf space for them. Games that were $30 to $40 before were now $4 in a bargain bin. Now let's look at another reason the video game crash of 1983 occurred. Too many consoles. In today's time, we have three home consoles competing against each other. The Xbox 360, the PlayStation 3, and the Nintendo Wii. Well, back in the early 80s, you had dozens of consoles competing against each other. Atari 2600, Atari 5200, ColecoVision, Intellivision, Coleco Gemini, Vectrex, Magnavox Odyssey 2, Fairchild Channel F System, Emerson Arcadia 2001, and I could keep going. Not only that, but some of these consoles had interchangeable software. For example, the ColecoVision had an expansion module that would allow you to play Atari 2600 games. Can you imagine if that happened today? What if Sony announced a device that would allow 360 games to be played on the PlayStation 3? Since the Atari 2600 could be reproduced with standard parts, this was legal. Coleco also released the Coleco Gemini, which is basically an Atari 2600 clone. The US market was flooded with consoles, and consumers had way too many choices and not enough information. Take a look at this. This is Dig Dug on the Atari 2600. Now take a look at this. This is Pitfall on the Atari 2600. Notice anything? Pitfall lacks an Atari logo on the cartridge. Which brings me to my next point about the video game crash of 1983. Loss of publishing control. Activision was the first third-party publisher of video games. Because Atari would not credit their game designers, several programmers from Atari left and founded Activision. Many noticed this, and soon tons of developers and publishers began making their games and putting them on shelves. See how this might go wrong? Today, all games for consoles are controlled by the console manufacturer. For example, you won't find an Xbox 360 game without this logo on top. When the manufacturer loses control of this, the market gets flooded, and this is exactly what happened. They were everywhere. You know Columbia House, the company that sends you flyers in the mail that offer 5 DVDs for 49 cent each? They formed the Columbia Cartridge Club to sell video games. Some companies even experimented sending games through cable television. Regardless, this flood of games was just bad for the industry. Today we rely on computers for just about everything. Internet, news, heck, even this video. But back in the early 80s, personal computers were first being introduced into American households. And guess what? They contributed to the video game crash of 1983. During the 70s, a computer would run easily over $1,000. But by the early 80s, they had come down in price. Computers offered not only superior graphics and sound, but also other uses such as word processing and accounting. 
Many consumers felt that owning a computer was a strictly better investment than a console. Computers were also much more widely distributed. PCs such as the Commodore, the Atari 400, the Atari 800, and the Radio Shack Color Computer were all technologically superior to consoles and were competitively priced as well. Many advertisements such as this one questioned, why buy just a video game? So what happened as a result of these events? Consumers lost confidence in the industry and business analysts saw no long-term future for the business. The industry came to a sudden halt in 1983 and would last for two years. Now keep in mind, this was bad mostly for the businesses. Due to the crash, all of the consoles and games were marked down to bargain bin deals. And this was good for consumers. Even though arcades were beginning their downfall, they were still extremely popular. Thus, most people don't even know about the video game crash of 1983. The crash was primarily bad for the industry, not the consumer. The North American video game crash of 1983 did have some long-term effects. Starting with the Nintendo, new measures were taken to control third-party development. One example would be the lockout chip in the Nintendo Entertainment System. The most important change, however, was the shift of the video game market from the United States to Japan. Even today, Japan has a majority control over the home video game market. Atari never fully recovered from the crash. Warner Communications sold the company soon after, and when Atari tried to re-enter the market, they found themselves far behind Sega and Nintendo. Atari called it quits on hardware after the Jaguar failed. Many other companies such as Mattel and Coleco simply abandoned the video game market. It was not until 1985 with the release of the Nintendo Entertainment System that the industry would recover. And there you have it, the North American video game crash of 1983. Remember, please send your topics to gameflop at gmail.com. Until next time, guys, take care.